0: Welcome to Spirited Reads,
1: a podcast about the books we read, the books we want to read, and the way our lives are shaped by reading.
0: We're your hosts, Madeline and Robert, and we want you to
1: love what you read
0: and read what you love. Hello and welcome to Spirited Reads.
1: Greetings and drinkings. Greetings this is, and drinkings. This is the ninth episode really of spirited Re- yeah
0: we're almost double digits
1: we are almost double digits which means we only have like i think four left for the year
0: i don't know why that just caused me so much anxiety yeah why, that, oh, why but just, just the holidays about,
1: talking about time passing
0: no i've gotten over that in my old age <laughs> 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 my ripe old age of 28 Yep. Yeah, well uh, there you go no it's the idea of the holidays fast approaching.
1: Yeah, uh, that'll be, we'll, we'll let's just see how those shake out. So
0: we stop giving out episodes in like November?
1: No, there's one that's in the, the very first week of December is kind of our year in review recap episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, where we just kind of go back and talk about the year and, okay. and go, I, I don't remember that.
0: You're halfway through the year, speaking of. Do you think you're going to make your book goal? Cool? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm yep. going to make it, but I um, also cheated. How? I made my book goal less than what I – I have a, an imaginary number in my brain, <laughs> and then I have the number that's on Goodreads, and so I've for sure made the Goodreads number.
1: Well, that's what we're talking about anyway, though, because that's what yeah. we steer people towards. Yeah, but then- your Your own weird goals that you keep in your brain are your own weird goals you keep in yeah, your brain. Yeah, keep
0: moving that goalpost. Your
1: your old Enneagram 3 goal goals that you have yeah. in there. Yeah.
0: yeah, I have my external ones that I present to everybody, and then just in case I fail, you I have internal fall ones, <laughs> just
1: in case you fail. You could fail your internals. You're like, no, yeah. but I did okay.
0: I did okay externally. Yeah, you can't prove otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what are you reading, and what have you finished up recently?
1: Um, I have not been reading a lot. I've been. There, it's been. It's been a time. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I'm reading slump. A I'm bit. getting close to finishing. Um, D-Day by Stephen Ambrose for some nonfiction. Narrative nonfiction. Um, it's a lot. I had started it, um, and then I switched over to Band of Brothers when I originally was going to read it because I was wanting to read the actual Band of Brothers story. And D-Day is more of an encompassing account. Um, so I'm getting close to the end on that one. It, okay. I don't have much left at all. And then I am really trucking along through uh, my my All the Light We Cannot See challenge book. Yeah. Um, even though every... Ten to fifteen minutes, I get I get real anxious about this this little blind girl. Yeah, and and wishing that she would just I wish they would have just like gone to America or someplace because I just I'm worried about her all the time.
0: It's it's pretty nonstop. Yeah, you're and I'm also need...
1: and I'm also real worried about little little sweet little Hitler youth boy with his radio. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be.
0: There's no good way to end that no. without yeah. I uh you're gonna need something fun and lighthearted after this to get out of your. It's not even a reading slump. It's just a. Serious. It wasn't even
1: a re- reading slump, it was a life
0: life, slump. life
1: acceleration.
0: Well, and I think when you are in that time of life where it's just non-stop and you are the recreational time you have is shutting your brain off, you need easy reads, you know. And that is different for everybody, but I mean maybe you need to read some of your Warhammer books or Well,
1: one of my plans is to get quickly into the 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 Mermaid book.
0: Oh yeah, the uh Into the Drowning Deep. I have it. Yep. I um, just got it too.
1: I have it, so
0: yeah that's uh we'll put it on our goodreads, but it's a new horror book. It's a horror right? Mm-hmm. yeah, yes. and it's, it's supposed
1: to be very creepy,
0: yeah, it's well, it doesn't surprise me because our friend Madeline Turnipseed suggested it, and she reads creepy books, like the last few I've read from her that she suggested have been
1: and it's Woo. by it's by Mira Grant,
0: <clears throat> yeah, and it's like a
1: it's a series, yeah, the Adele series, the Rolling in the Deep series.
0: I almost was I was like, Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh um, it's underwater, creepy time. Mermaids. Mermaids coming to get you. And not yeah. the fun hot mermaids. No, no, no.
1: Like the ones in the was it the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean with the creepy with the mermaids. Like some oh. were pretty, but some were pretty creepy. Oh. That was cool.
0: Well and they turn creepy. Yeah. Or have you watched that one SNL uh, skit with Kate McKinnon where she's the really gross looking mermaid yes. and all the other yeah. ones are hot? Yeah. And she's like, what if you take me home, sailor? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> uh,
1: but so I got that. So that'll be. But that's a pretty thick book. There's a lot. I mean, it's long. Yeah, um, but it should
0: be pretty like it should be fast paced, yeah. I think.
1: The four hundred and forty
2: eight. Oh, um,
1: But after. But aside from that, since I I usually need to. I'll probably have like an audible that's fun. Yeah. Um, something to and it could be. It could be. It could be a Warhammer. It could be. I don't know. I've been I've been tempted to just go back and start over on the expansion. I was here. gonna ask Because I you love I love Leviathan Weeks so much. And so I might just go back to that. I don't know. We'll see. Um
0: maybe a few comic books.
1: Yeah, I begin that's a sit down, have time to read and look. Like they're fast.
0: Because you can't really read those on your phone.
1: No. no. Um is <clears throat> cool on on a on an iPad mm-hmm. because you can make every every frame can be the full screen. Yeah. Just so you can really see stuff. Um, but I don't I'd rather sit there and page through them. So I will probably I'll probably have a like a little fun audible something. I have lots of options. Um and I also I just set up my Libby app. Nice. Um, and I immediately felt guilty because I went through and there was a couple things that popped up like, hey, reserve this. And I thought, okay, well, let's see how this works. And so I the first thing that popped up on recommended for me was Cloud Cuckoo Land. Okay. So I went, sure. Let's reserve the audiobook. They're like, there's 46 people ahead of you. I went, cool. The next day, um, I got this notification. It's your turn to download Cloud Kukuland. Go ahead and get it. I went, well, I can't do that right now. So then later, I think it was like probably the next day, I'd forgotten. And I was leaving someplace, and I, my phone beeped at me and because I enabled. I let Libby give me notifications. And uh-huh. I was like, sorry, you missed your chance. Oh, no. Yeah, well, okay, and, so- I, and I was like,
0: oh, I'm sorry. Garrett. Yeah. So you can do a thing where you put the hold off for seven days and it re-delivers yeah. it to you in seven days. One of the other things that Libby does, speaking of feeling guilty, is that it will tell you who's waiting for the book and how many days you have left to read. And so it'll be like, seven people are waiting for this book. Oh. Like, oh, pressure.
1: They do that. I think the, the Johnson County Library holds <laughs> yeah. do that too. Yeah. Do you get, since you sign in with your, with your library card, do you get late fees? Or does it just, they just disappear? No,
0: it just takes it. Okay, cool. It's, and it literally will go down to the hour where it's like you have one hour left to finish the Saudi book. I'm like cranking it up to two. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, Libby, Libby's awesome. It's a super convenient app. Um.
1: It took me a minute to get used to kind of how the interface works because I didn't realize that it was also e- e- ebooks. Yes. Um. And so I was looking for and things.
0: magazines. The magazines on there.
1: Yeah. Um. And it also it did it took t- I had to. One I had thing- to sign in like three times for it to stick.
0: One of the things I don't like about it is that because I have three library cards connected to it, and um, you can go and search, but you have to choose the library card you're searching from. So instead of populating like, Johnson County has this, Kansas City Library has this, Midcontinent has this, sure. you have to go in and choose Johnson County, and then it'll then you have to nix out Johnson County, go to Kansas, you know. So that okay. can be kind of you know frustrating. I am. But- um-
2: yeah,
1: now I I just looked at it. In Cloud Cuckoo Land. Apparently, I will have it soon. And I, there's a little thing that's a little red thing that says deliver after 11 July. Yes, so, you
0: can delay your delivery. So well,
1: I guess. Okay. And then, um, yeah. Oh, that's because I was trying to figure out how to do it. So I also now have three weeks before I will be able to listen to the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. No,
0: I don't think you're gonna like it. Okay. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it's it, up to you. It's a fast.
1: The cover looked cool. It
0: is. And the concept is really cool cuz basically the whole thing is like you you get tra- it's like end of life kind of thing yeah. where you before you end your life you can choose to read a book that will basically like take you into a different version of your life. Yeah. Um it's so also short. Yeah, it's short. And Carrie Mulligan.
1: Yeah, See, there's mean, factors going for it, but I mean when I first read all of the various praises for it, I was kind of going,
2: well
0: cuz it was a really popular book. That's yeah. actually on one of on my list of like uh Books that we're talking about, books that yeah. made us and books that broke us. And uh it was it's a very popular, widely suggested book amongst my crowd mm-hmm. and I didn't love it. But you should try it. The audiobook yeah. may be better than And I don't have it. to pay for it. Yeah. I could so, listen I mean, to an hour.
1: I could do an hour test. And be like bye. After an hour I'm just like yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, no commitment. So uh right if now I, if I listen oh. to the
1: hour at double speed, that's just thirty minutes.
0: Right. So fast. Um, uh, no, so speaking of double speed. This is my new favorite thing that's happening in my life right now. Um, so I got an Apple watch and I'll be like washing dishes at the cafe cafe working, and my um libby app will come up on my watch, and in the bottom right corner is the speed so i I am up to two times two reading with most books now i when I first start the book, the first hour, I read it at like one point five just to get into the book and the details, and then once I get going, I'll up it and so it's speedy, but once you get used to it. You don't really tell much. And so I'll be like doing the dishes and it will, the water will bump the time down to one and all of a sudden it sounds like they're all like drunk and like,
2: yes, that's
0: what it feels like because it's such a a stark difference to the times two speed and it's just really jarring but also hilarious because they all just sound like they've all... I don't know. Got stuck <laughs> by like a bunch of bees and are drunk and-
1: Mr. Frodo. <laughs> yes, I can rope.
0: Yeah, because I don't know like, <laughs> some of those one speed books. It's rough.
1: Oh, there no. I, I I uh I listen default like I start at one one point seven. Yeah, because and every once in a while, if I accidentally start at one, it's it's just like I feel like the pauses are. Like a paragraph will end. I'm just like, all right, and, and go. What's and
2: next? Go.
0: Yeah, it's. So anyway, it's just very funny because it's just so jarring. I'm in the middle of like a dinner rush, and it was like. I
2: was
1: I was listening. So there's an Audible original, um, and it's like a small hour and a half, two hour little memoir um, written by Eddie Vedder. And throughout, he does little acoustic versions of some Pearl Jam songs from throughout their career. But I didn't realize I had the book at like 1.7. So the songs start and he's singing it, and I'm like, "This is so cool! I love this version. It's sped up and and <laughs> like it's rocking." And then at one point I went, "Oh, okay," because like he got to a slow song. I'm like, "Why? Now maybe that's weird. This one's a little fast for what it is." <laughs> oh, hang on. All right, so it's it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, we're tracking. Yeah, but then I bumped it back down to one just for the song part. And even then, I was like, "Nope, can't do it. Too slow. Too slow. Nope."
0: cruising along yeah so anyway right now i am reading i have i'm reading three books there's a theme to my books and I, I didn't mean to do it but it's like eccentric female leads so i'm reading velvet was the night by Sylvia marino yeah i
1: know you didn't you didn't just i know snuck i that just i just
0: there. shot you that really nice yeah, that really cool I picture I was and like
1: well fine i looked over at my shelf where it's sitting going
0: okay well, I knew you were kind of in a reading, having a reading moment, so I just decided I wasn't going to put any pressure on you. But I
1: might need to—I might need to go read that because I was going to start the beautiful ones, and I got a few pages in, and I remember going, "Ah, eh, this might not be the right time period for me right now."
0: Well, and like it's not—it's just period drama. It's yeah, not. it's like Gilded Age, isn't it? Yeah. But in Mexico. Yep, and there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like supernatural or and, fantastical. And Velvet was
1: night as 1970s vampires, right?
0: No, no vampires. No vampires. It's just so far.
1: Creepy nineteen seventies something.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like the um like the political uprising with like oh, the student sure. um student riots. Mm-hmm. And so it's two perspectives, and <laughs> one of the perspectives is a uh like Hispanic gangster um that is obsessed with Elvis, so he names himself L. Elvis. That's his nice. name. Yeah. And so there's all those like References to Elvis, which is really great, and then the second <laughs> perspective, which is the one I'm talking about, the eccentric female, is she's this like really like dowdy secretary that has like a terrible mother and sister. You know, it's very like that trope where she's like lives with her cats and she loves like the romance comics, whatever they're, they're called, like the soap operas of the comic book worlds. Uh, and so she like every week telenovelas Yes, yeah, so every week she like goes to the newsstand to get her telenovel- novella, and she's in love with this like fictional man and she's so eccentric and she watches the pets of the people in her apartment building and is also like uh, a kleptomaniac. So she will just like steal these random things.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So it's just the most eccentric, hilarious character. And so her chapters are delightful. Um, And then I'm reading Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, which also is an eccentric lead, but is struggling with some serious uh like childhood trauma but she's they don't ever reference but she's almost like on the spectrum a little bit because she has no social filter and so she'll just be like you know like in one of the interactions that really made me laugh is she got beers with this guy and then she was like oh by the way your beer was 340 i can get it from you tomorrow you know so she's just this I like it. yeah so she's in, but i mean her hers is much sadder it's um She's There's a lot of, like, childhood trauma, and um the cover's all bright and sunny, but it's, like, a very, okay. very yeah. tough read. um And then I'm reading The Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Anne Bronte, and again, that's another eccentric...
1: By an eccentric <laughs> author.
0: Yeah, eccentric author, eccentric female lead. These, like, spinster ages where they're all like, oh, I'm turning 30, and I'm not married yet, and that's kind of how all three books are, which is funny. That's what I'm reading right now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was wondering, on my... On both my Audible and, um, next in my little, my little Calyx unit next to my bed, I do have Addie LaRue on deck.
0: Okay. I'm very um, curious. Just
1: to see how that goes. Um, I've listened, I listened to the sample, like the little five minute, mm-hmm. and I, she seems good. So. Yeah.
0: And what I like about I'll probably her a bounce
1: lot. back and forth between the book and the, yeah. the book audio. Well,
0: the book especially is important because the whole, um, like overarching thing with that is that, um. She makes the deal with the devil and she lives forever, but nobody can remember her when Mm -hmm. she leaves the room. So that's a whole, everyone knows that. But one of the things I really liked about her whole deal was that she also can't leave her mark on history necessarily, but people are able to, over her course of like thousands of years, not thousands, hundreds of years, because she's like 1700s to modern day, there's a series of art, like artists. So there's musicians and artists that, not memorialized, but...
1: She's kind of a muse.
0: Yeah, she's their muse. Yeah, and so every chapter there is a picture of oh, Addie cool. in this different, well, like and I, the themes bit, and different.
1: The little bit I listened to, the little sample was her talking about her leather jacket. Yeah, and how and how she was like, he's gonna remember this jacket, but I don't care, it's mine, and that was the deal I made. Yeah, So I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah. One and one thing too is that she's not allowed to like own any possessions. She has to steal. So that's it's a very right. interesting. Okay. It's, it's really good. I think you like it, and the narrator does a really good job because Addie travels all over the place, so her accent will change a tiny bit, and the narrator does an excellent job with that. And her all French right. accent especially is beautiful. Interesting. Which has a look. So, oh, that's good. I'm glad you're reading that.
1: Yeah. Any bookstore or library trips? Me neither. No. I haven't had the time. I mean, I got the I got the, the mermaid story. Mm-hmm. I, got, I I ordered it in. Yeah. Because um, it was... When I happened, whenever you sent me that, hey, do you want to read this? And I looked at it. It was on like a crazy little like markdown. So Mm -hmm. I got it fast. And then otherwise, I don't think I've been really anywhere.
0: No. (laughs) It's too hot to go places. It's too hot. And I've basically been at home or at the cafe. Yep. So.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep.
0: But,
1: so yeah, that was our that was uh, that was kind of a down note to end our drink, greetings where, and drinking. Where, so I guess we I guess what are you drinking? We're drinking end, the same oh, thing, and I don't know yeah. what I'm drinking. We're drinking bullet whiskey. Oh great, it's yummy. yeah, yeah, some good fan. some good Kentucky bourbon. Um,
0: I feel like our drinkings have become different types of bourbon and whiskey. We're drinking.
1: Yeah, so problem <laughs> <don't know> <laughs> with it unless we have like a guest or <laughs> we decide to drink the Becca. We're just gonna call. We're just gonna call that that whipped cream vodka and eliminate <laughs> the Becca.
0: The Becca. We need to have Becca on here just so she can have her drink and talk about
2: it.
1: We don't. Even, she doesn't even need to say anything. She can just just hear her like glass clinking, <laughs> and occasionally she can chuckle. Yeah. All right. So we'll be back in just a second to talk about the subject at hand. I don't know. what I've never. I that's not me.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. So, what are we chatting about? Tonight, episode
1: nine. Tonight, we, or for this episode,
0: episode nine.
1: Yeah. Because what if people are listening to us at like eight in the morning? It's not tonight. So, this episode, this we're going to discuss of the, day. Uh, the books that we have read that have made us shaped mm-hmm, us as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Re- just readers or as people, and the books that have broken us either in or both in good and bad ways.
0: Yeah, that this is tough because I don't want to. I don't want to become just like a. I'm complaining about books I didn't like.
1: Mine, mine. When I finally started thinking about it, mine generally that I listed as things that, bought like that made it hard to, you know, just jump right into another book. Uh, it's generally either a type or the context in which I read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are specific examples that come to mind. So.
0: Okay. So. How are we doing this? Are we just going back and forth? Yeah. So
1: like I, I basically I got I, I wrote down two to three titles. Um, I have I have books that shaped that shaped young Robert and then teen Robert and then adult Robert.
0: I did that too.
1: And then I have books that broke me in a good way and then in a bad way because I wanted to be more positive. We weren't even
0: good. I don't know if you can. I'm like aggressively showing Robert. There must notes. be.
1: There must be. Because when I when I got here and you weren't here yet, I was sitting making my notes. Maybe there's just something in your house. That I was like, you know what I should do?
0: I don't know. Somehow yeah. we're on the same wavelength.
1: Yeah. You have some kind of... You leave like... There's like a like an aura effect around your house.
0: I bless my house with genius. Yes. I need a pretty
1: love effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, right, so, so
0: one book that young Robert... Yeah. that it made, Okay. So Robert. the first,
1: because this one...
0: Better be the Hardy Boys. It is. <laughs> Damn straight. Yes. It okay. finds Nancy Drew, so, but that's So yeah.
1: when I was... And I, I can't maybe... Third, maybe fourth grade. So at my grandmother's house, my my granddad had his Hardy Boy collection from when he was a kid, which is the like first run. Uh They were all in these like brown leather hardbacks and they were all falling apart and I had to be very careful with them. Fortunately, they got reprinted. Um, that's actually also when I first noticed changes between editions. Mm Because slight changes were made. Anyway.
0: Did you read the blue ones?
1: I did. I read the those were the second ones. Yep. Um, but I read the ones right before that too. They were longer. Interesting. The first edition, there was more content, and sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Because I remember reading starting the the blue ones, and that was where I was going. Where's this part? Mm-hmm. Um, and also between the first and second, some of the, um, some of the parts of the books that were a little more Cold War ish, um, especially with with their dad, Fenton, mm-hmm. dealing with. Different elements, um, some of those things changed because I remember there were some pretty intense violent moments in the originals that got toned down so but the one the one that was always my favorite is called the Twisted Claw. Um, and I read it and i've I've read it I've reread it when I was in college and I did a uh, like a film is literature class uh, we were supposed to do like a 10 page like adaptation screenplay thing, and mm-hmm. that's what I used nice um. The Twisted Claw is the Hardy Boys pirate story. Um, they end up on a pirate ship that's running weird treasure and essentially a very tactfully, um, like it's essentially like a drug boat, but the author kind of masks it in different ways. Um, But they end up on a pirate ship and they end up on a pirate island where there's a pirate king and all this crazy weird stuff happening. And it was just, it was the one that I read and then I reread and I reread over and over and over because the adventure of it was so cool. And there's a lot of intrigue whenever they finally get to the pirate island. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of chase, not chases, but like pursuits, like following people down like down by the docks yep you know and there's you know good old joe hardy i think he was the blonde one uh you know oh he grabbed some soot rubbed it on his face to look like a deckhand (laughs) even though like if you look at the cover of the book they're dressed like little preppies yep um but that and that was also one of those things that was weird to me whenever i grew up and i finally realized that not every you know all-american high school kid has an italian friend with a speedboat Because they do. Or
0: parents who, like, just let them run off and solve mysteries and... Well,
1: yeah, because they have their dad that's a PI and Mm -hmm. he just gets in all kinds of trouble all the time. But The Twisted Claw was... It was the book that I always went back to as far as the Hardy Boys or as far as... I I remember I have these memories of um, in the summer whenever my mom and my grandmother would go antiquing Uh and I would just be along for the ride because I didn't get to stay home. But we would leave the house and I would have that particular one in the backseat of the car. And by the time we got done with our adventures of the day, I had finished it. Cause mm-hmm. I would just, as soon as we got in the car, I'd get back to it. Yeah, uh, Go. You're first.
0: Oh yeah. So my Nancy Drew is like young, young Madeline. Um, and so I really, I mean, mystery stories have been a huge part of my reading journey my entire life, but the Nancy Drew series was a the big like first ones for me. And I mean, I had the yellow edition, so that's like the nineteen fifty nine editions. Yeah, and yeah. those
1: a lot of those they kept reprinting those because mm-hmm. I I know for the Hardy Boys when they jumped up to like the when you know two thousand hit uh-huh. and they did like these paperback versions they changed again right um, and then there were the spinoff series but, but the anyway, Nancy Drew the yellow, yellow ones have been around yeah. like
0: I think you can still find those in you store.
1: can you can get yeah. the same with the Hardy Boy blue ones
0: yeah and so those have been I mean I have I still play the Nancy Drew video games I just love them so much and I love. Like, I I mean, Nancy's character is great. She shaped a lot of young people, male and female. And um, I just like, she's so independent and so clever. And I love her relationships with her friends, George and Bess. Uh, yes, George and Bess, I think, are the main friends. Um, but The Hidden Staircase is the one I remember reading a lot because it had, like, my favorite. Like, the creepy haunted mansion, a good old kidnapping you know all the good the good things and so um that one that one's a really good one i think that's like the second or third one in the series um and then aside from nancy drew uh the boxcar children did you read those i
1: read i i remember reading as they were kind of coming out i read probably 50 of them um there was a time at Sam's club-huh you could get like four packs yeah and my and that was and they were like five dollars and so I would often if my mom or my grandmother went to Sam's they would come back and just throw me another four pack
0: yeah I just remember like this was the first one I read so many times where they have to first learn how to like cook for themselves yeah. and do their laundry and you know it caused me so much anxiety but also was
1: mine was uh my 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 favorite was the lighthouse mystery yeah where they go stay on the beach yes. And there's a, there's a hurricane
0: yeah because they kind of become mystery solvers too
1: yeah yeah they they solve and there was like and it was always some of them to me were a little stranger like there was the one do you remember the one where they they stayed on a houseboat
0: uh it sounds familiar yeah
1: and they they get involved they stay on a houseboat and they get involved with like uh like, like a an auction like yes, there's an auction that's for right. stuff i remember that and that's that was one of those ones where i'm like okay good old And those, I remember those books, they were also very proper because good old Grandfather Alden would just be like, oh, where do you want to go on a houseboat? Sure, go ahead. You know, Um,
0: it's also like maybe, maybe someone should get them out of the boxcar. (laughs) But yeah, they have like the pizza mystery and the dinosaur mystery. Oh my gosh, I remember. I did
1: like it that once they get adopted, when they get adopted, they move the boxcar to the backyard know. because the grandfather's like, oh no, this was like your first home. And it's, he doesn't say it like in a backhanded way. He's like, we can keep it. It's fine. Yeah. Do you ever do we ever know why they ended up there? Did they ever talk about why they ended up in the boxcar? I mean like, I think they what were... happened to their parents. I don't I don't remember if I ever read one of if if I read something like that of the of that series that got that real, I probably would have backed away and not not kept reading it. Um no, but I read a lot of those. Those were again, those were four
0: orphan children, as I okay. they said.
1: Yeah, those were definitely you could knock those out quick.
0: They Henry, Henry,
1: Jesse, Violet, and Benny. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was, I don't have notes for that on here. I just remembered.
0: Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked those a lot. And I, I think it's like, I've talked about this with Chase because he's like, why do you listen to or read such terrible things sometimes? And I think it's like an anxiety processing, like coping mechanism where it's like, if I know the worst thing that could possibly happen and I'm prepared for it or I'm reading about it, I don't feel as anxious. And so yeah. that's sometimes how I think, why I think I read. Such scary stuff sometimes. Because Th- even those were
1: not scary. I mean, now as a kid, you'd be like, "Uh oh, children in peril!" Right. But
0: I mean, they weren't like scary, but it still was. They like- had
1: a dog. I believe they had a dog at some for some of them. I remember they would take the dog around.
0: Mm, I don't remember.
1: I that. also remember the Lighthouse Mystery. Um, Watch
0: that- is a Wire Fox Terrier. You're right. Watch is yeah. the name. Um, Watch Yeah.
1: When I was a kid, I Kids remember so the, li- the Lighthouse Mystery. <laughs> Um, I do have. I do specifically remember that's when I first learned the ter- the word Frankfurter
0: Oh because they
1: could have said hot dog, but they're up in New England, so they're they fancy. say Frankfurter. And
2: they
0: wanted to expand those.
1: Yeah, those young minds.
0: Those young minds. <sighs> okay, teenage Shh. Robert. Speaking of, I young wasn't mind. done with my.
1: I was. I thought oh. we were still on kids.
0: Oh, we're still on kids. Okay, yeah. sorry. I yeah. guess I did too because I did Nancy Drew. So
1: my my second is my second is specific, and then I have sort of a just overarching thing. So my second one is and I've mentioned this on a different episode, The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle by Avi, which mm,
0: I, I Never read those.
1: Okay, well it's just one. It's a standalone okay. story. Um Avi wrote the, like the Crispin series and wrote a okay. ton of books, but this one and when I looked up just to make sure that um I had like dates correct, I guess I actually read this when it came out because it came out in 1990. Um and I remember my mom made me read it and I didn't want to. How old were you? Ten.
0: Okay.
1: So, um, yeah, fourth grade. I remember it was specifically because there was I won a reading award that year, but I got to go to a Texas Rangers game because I read so many books. Oh my goodness! Mo- among those were about sixty Goosebumps books. Like, oh, Goosebumps! Do I we went, have Goosebumps on our list? I don't, but it was I loved. Goosebumps. I guess learning learning just to read, just to have a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle is about this girl who's traveling from. England to America
0: uh-huh.
1: no I think it's the other way around I think she's going from New York to England anyway she ends up on a pirate ship and doesn't realize it hell yeah and uh, on her journey she starts uncovering basically a, a mutiny plot between, from the crew and so she has to for her own safety she joins the crew and becomes um, she's one, She's so small that she's able to like climb up in the, on the ropes and up in the sails
0: this is my literal dream. And
1: there's a there's a moment that will forever stick with me because I really wanted it. I, w- I always wanted to write this moment into a story, but she's trying to climb up into up to like the top of the main mass in the middle of a rainstorm and she's got this long blonde hair and it's starting to pull her down. So she just pulls out a knife and just slices her hair off It just keeps going. Amazing. And it's just the coolest. She just gets she goes from being really innocent. She basically in this one story kind of has the hermione thing where she's like this real bookish little timid girl and yeah. then she just becomes a badass by like, the end of it. Yeah, that coming and, of age story there. And I I I do remember that I think might have been the first time that my parents was like you need to go to bed I'm like I'm sorry I'm reading this book. And So I got I to just cannot. I read it in a night. Yeah. Um and that was that one was cool. That one's very specific. Um on the sort of broad spectrum um whenever I was sort of in that fourth to fifth grade range, I always loved Westerns. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, my my grandmother kind of gave me, gave my folks the, the go ahead to let me start reading um, the various novels of Louis L'Amour, which are little 150 page Western serial pulpy. Some of them are actually pretty good. Some of them are, you know, I mean, he wrote a ton of them. A ton of them, yeah. Um, but they were cool because they used like, Geographic terms that only like people that are actually like trackers or explorers would use. And the stories, the characters are very, it's a very, it's a melodrama. So the, char- the good guys are real rugged and cool. And the bad guys are real mean. But at the time, we would go to half price books and I would get five bucks and I would buy a shopping bag of them because <laughs> I could get them all. They were like 10 cents a piece.
2: Because
1: I would get Little the things. edition, I could get like the 75 cent editions from the 60s. And I just buy a ton of them, and then I would read them all real fast. So over art, uh, like so overall, all those books, those westerns, it gave me a cool understanding of narrative. It's um, like sort of specialized, not specialized, but very particular dialogue. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, it wasn't like you know you lily livered swine, but <laughs> there was a little bit of sort of the sort of pulpy western feeling to it. Plus the Louis L'Amour was, before he was an author, he was a boxer. So if ever there was a fist fight, it got real technical, real fast, like real in, like he would really get into his punch, his, his fist fight Mm -hmm. stories. But it just, every, everything about those books just made me happy. And so, and I, yeah. And And I still, I still, I have a few Mm -hmm. um, right now. I have maybe three or four different ones that everyone, and every once in a while, if I'm at the library and I see one on the shelf, I'll check it out and I'll read it in a couple hours. They're cool. So, but that was my young, those were my young books.
0: Yeah. The only thing, other thing, I don't have like a huge memory of my reading habits when I was younger, but I do remember the the American girls and their books that accompanied each doll.
1: My my cousin, she she was the American girl book person. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I only had one American girl doll, but I had like all of the books. I loved the books because they were all very like historically accurate, correct, great representations of books. I had Addie was my doll, but. Um, my sister had, oh, I can't even remember who it was, but all the books that came with it were, it in really got me into that like historic in non- my family narrative the, fiction. In
1: my family, what was it, Was it Samantha? Was she, I think she was the big deal with the, with my, when I was growing up.
0: Yeah. Samantha was a pretty big deal.
1: And she had glasses.
0: Yes. She so. might have been the French doll. I don't remember. That my. would make
1: sense <laughs> because my cousin loved, Sam- my cousin just, yeah. was just- it, the deepest lover of 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 the Madeline books. Oh, also
0: you know? loved the Madeline books. That was
1: yes. The 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 how many little girls are in two nice in two neat rows as they would walk different places in Paris.
0: And then their little yellow jackets. Yeah,
1: we watched. I we watched a lot of those of the little animated mm-hmm. movies.
0: So many books. I don't even know how to figure out. Where she okay, well, well, I don't know, Samantha, sure, maybe Someone's that gonna was her tell us.
1: um, but anyway, as we move into adolescence, adolescent Madeline
0: so adolescent Madeline will transition into um like Agatha Christie, Yes. the uh starting to do the like higher level of mystery. Um, I remember specifically like the ABC murders and Death on the Nile were two of my favorites that I read over and over because the ABC murders specifically. That's the one where he like is killing someone from, like obviously, yeah. you know. Um, but he was leaving clues in like the newspaper, and so I, because I was really like, like adolescent. I guess what are we, what are we saying?
1: Seventh grade, th- twelve to thirteen, and on, like through high school.
0: Okay, so in high school specifically, um, because I don't want to like say early on I was obsessed with cults, but I was pretty obsessed with cults for a while. That's so fine, in I, high I started
1: learning about them in in yeah. probably about eighth grade.
0: Yeah, and so I liked like Colts and uh true crime very early on and so like the um like the zodiac killer and like all the like the like the hinting of like leaving like clues for people i really true. liked um so uh, abc murders was my favorite by agatha christie i uh, still would reread that one
1: seventh, when i was seventh grade english class i i still remember we read and then there were none
0: that's such a good one too. And then we
1: watched Murder on the Orange Express, the one with uh, Sean Connery. Um and like that was, was something we did in middle school and we we got into it when we start talking about those the people getting killed off.
0: And the Murder on the Orange Express has created in me this like deep-seated love for trains in general. Like I just always want to go on a train and uh I want to I know you're looking at Chase Chase wants well he hates trains but he wants to run a game on a train, he wants to do the horror on the Orient Express. Yeah, the big yeah. one. That's the big. Call you should Cthulhu. do that
1: because I want to play it <laughs> real yeah. bad.
0: He wants to run it once we're done with. Nice. Yeah. Masks. So great. And I love the idea of just like stories being set on trains. It's a
1: bottle episode, but it's like six bottles connected to each other yes. on a track. Yes. Yes. Um, and
0: it just you can stop and have new scenes and. Uh, I I'm a big.
1: So I'm a big fan of Hercule Poirot. Yes. I like. I like all of his stories. Yeah and who was hedy wainthrop no that's a different that was a that was a bbc now, series miss marple yes that was i remember my 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 grandmother was a big she's a big mystery reader and i she was always reading miss marple um so as you were reading actually as you were reading agatha christie i was in college so <laughs> the move back to teen robert um Yeah. Uh. There was a moment in my life. I still remember the moment I bought and read *The Fellowship of the Ring*. Yep. I bought the book. Um, we were, my aunt and uncle were living in Belleville, Illinois. We went to an antique store. I knew I was looking for it, and we were. And I just walked, and I found like a fifty cent copy. Bought it, read it, and my life just exploded. Like when I read it, I know that it's not going to be like this deep like personal like character driven narrative it's such it's written like an epic, it's written kind of like the Odyssey, but man, it changed my life quite a bit,
0: well, and I think even though, like you said, it's not a like a personal deep narrative, you still fall in love with all those characters, you, you do. care about them more than and you
1: know. and it's and also it's it's very easily found in the notes, generally either at the beginning or end tolkien was he was a little. He kind of he does what everyone every sort of fantasy author kind of wants to do. Tolkien realized that England did not have its its mythol its Greek mythology, Mm -hmm. and he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna build a mythology. Yep. And it's gonna be an epic, and it's gonna be and people are gonna remember it because it's gonna be awesome. And he did it.
0: Were you at that age too old for the Chronicles of Narnia?
1: I'd read those all, so Chronicles of Narnia are just they didn't affect me that
2: way
0: because I. For the longest time, was not allowed to read the Harry Potter or even Lord of the Rings for a little bit. Um, I Chronicles of Narnia was my step into fantasy, sure. And so specifically, like the Silver Chair, I remember really loving that one. And we that really one liked-
1: is that, well, Caspian's or Voyage of the Dawn Treader is my favorite. But Voyage I, of the Dawn Treader Sh- is really good. Silver Chair, Tread- I remember Silver Chair Tread- gets dark.
0: It's freaking creepy, and, and so for poor,
1: poor Puddleglum, is just sad.
0: Yeah, so we. um a big thing we did was like radio dramas, like Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. And, and so the- I, I remember those. I love Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and so that was like the audio dramas sure. for Chronicles of Narnia. That's really kind of what got me into audiobooks too. Because nice. I mean, audiobooks weren't like super a thing, but yeah. the audio, like the radio dramas were.
1: I think my, my thing, so I, I, I enjoyed and appreciated Narnia, mm-hmm. but I had also been reading, um, you know how they would always take, like classic stories and then kind of dumb them down just a little bit for kids so they're huh? fun i would i would read anything related to king arthur yeah so, so you've that been reading... or like the once in future king mm-hmm. so i had been like reading that... yeah i had been reading books that were a
0: high fantasy low, low fantasy or like low. Fantasy, they're very but, low fantasy
1: but... but they're a bit more violent and the characters are a bit more duplicitous yeah than like and I, like, I I mean, and maybe growing up the way I grew up, like, I picked up on Aslan pretty quick. I was like, oh, yeah, he's the, yes, he is the, the pure, he is the good, right. cool. And, I uh, I mean, like, I understood those, I, mean, I wouldn't say nuances, but I understood those sort of facets. But I was a little more drawn to the fact that, like, in Arthur, you have Merlin, who is cool, but he's a little underhanded. You have Morgan, who can, she's like an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um So I, I was, so, no, I mean. C.S. Lewis, give him his due. He deserves all kinds of credit. I would have loved to have taken an English class from him, but
0: because of his other works, I like a lot, like yeah. the Screw Tape, Level Letters, and The Great Divorce.
1: I am a big fan of Till We Have Faces.
0: That one's really good too, and then his sci-fi trilogy.
1: I couldn't do it. I couldn't get into him.
0: I okay, so I yeah, because I mean, again, I know
1: Amy loves Amy loves C.S. Lewis so much, and she's read those the sci-fi trilogies several times i just can't it get was it, it was okay
0: i think especially now that we've seen such good sci-fi and we know such good sci-fi it is hard to go back to older sci-fi and i have that on my notes for another series sure. um that almost broke me for fantasy but um it is hard because his other stuff is so good than to go to his sci-fi and it's like this is not stellar but I I still enjoyed it, um, but yeah, I mean, Chronicles of Narnia was my big stepping stone into fantasy. Sure. Um, and then when I, when my mom realized, oh, this is stupid, we should not not allow this, then I was able to do like Lord of the Rings. Sure. And, and I think for me,
1: a lot of the Lord of the Rings stuff was, oh wait, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, they were buddies, and yep. they kind of they believed the same thing, and they were moral people. That's probably fine. Hmm. Um. So going from that sci-fi. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take two fast ones here, moving into my, my older quote sci fi, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Read that one over and over and over. And I read it because the like my favorite teachers mm-hmm. that were a little on the nerdier side, they thought it was the best book. So I was I was like, Well then obviously
2: I
0: need to read it if they're reading but it. But I remember
1: reading it going, Oh, I get some of these jokes. I, and I remember going, I don't get some of these and I remember um when I was in middle school and high school, I, I used to eat lunch in my history teacher's room mm-hmm. because he would tell us and I'd be like, okay, so I don't understand why this is such a thing in the history." He's like, okay, well, cool. Here's English society, something you should know, this, 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 this. Context made sense. And then, boom, I learned more things. Mm-hmm. So that the sort of, but not quite, uh, five book series kind of, the trilogy in five books as, as they call it. Yeah. Um, that was a big one. But speaking of high school and middle school, probably the book that hit me the hardest was that was required but taught me so much um second only to when i first read the great gatsby was to kill a mockingbird mm-hmm. because i couldn't i was so disinterested in reading it and then i couldn't stop reading it and i learned i think i think that is where i first learned about a novelization of a social issue that leads to like a not social justice platform but like Harper Lee had something she was trying to say, and she said it perfectly. And it taught me so much about putting, about entertaining with absolutely serious subject matter. And it was so good; still is so good. And then I remember watching the movie, and by that point, I was like, "Well, there's no way this is as good as the bow." Oh my gosh, that movie's great.
0: Really good. And I've seen a couple really excellent stage adaptations. There was too.
1: there was one right before the pandemic that Aaron Sorkin did, and Jeff Daniels was mm-hmm. was. Was uh, Atticus Finch and I wanted to. See, oh, I could have gone to New York. to see yeah, It would have been amazing. We'll go just go real quick. But um, that yeah. But those those two sort of because those kind of happened at the same time in school. Was Hitchhiker's Guide was a thing I discovered, and then I was assigned to Kill a Mockingbird, and it was that was Kill a Mockingbird was my freshman year. Um, because a lot of stuff happened the summer of my freshman year that I will that kind of I will never forget, and uh, that was one of them. Another one was reading Animal Farm, and I wanted to change schools when I was done with Animal Farm. Because you hated it or because... I thought it was... I was so... I mean, that book is short, and I was absolutely done with it by the time I was finished. I was like, come on, Okay, yeah. fine. Whatever. Go away. Um, it's not great. But, okay. So back to adolescent Madeline.
0: Well, from here, basically what I have is um, there are some pretty significant moments in my life that pulled me away from reading It made me in, into like long-term reading slumps or... Just like really distracted. So basically, from here, I have like the really like the five books that got me back into reading. Oh, okay. So I is don't this, really
1: is this is this like is this moving into like adult Madeline or?
0: Um, some of them are adults. Some of them are high school. But it's I'm kind in of a nebulous. Yeah. So I mean, I can just go like. So in high school, um, it was required reading, but this was the first time that I realized I really liked to start. I'd liked classics. And so it's, we've talked about it before, Picture of Dorian Gray is my favorite sure. classic of all time. Um, and then that's when I started to get into like Dracula and Frankenstein yep. and started to seriously read Jane Austen. So I was probably like 14 or 15 at the time. Um, and that really like propelled me into reading on my own, whether it was, you know, and not worrying about required reading. Did you, read,
1: did, you did you ever, did you discover the Dover thrifts?
0: Um, uh, No.
1: So the Dover Library, which is in Washington D.C., released these little paperbacks of classics, and they were all like a dollar piece. And they're there are no frills—the covers, but they're you, when you see them, you know what they are.
0: So I was really, because I, I was kind of like a brat when I was in high school. I mean, yeah. I still am kind of a brat, but I mean, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was really like a, kind of a turd. And so I was like, "Well, I'm reading classics." Mm-hmm. You know, my friends are reading brat. You know, you like, got
1: sucked right into those really cool Barnes and Noble editions.
0: Well, so my mom has when my mom was like 18 i don't know if i've told you this before but my mom joined this book club that she got a like leather bound classic every month nice and she did it from like 18 to whatever and so she i actually don't know if those are the full details i was in i was in
1: columbia house
0: it's something like that where she got like a book every month or every quarter so she has i mean like hundreds of these leather bound classics and so i just had them at home nice and so i would be like in like high school with this like gorgeous like gold leaf book and i'm like look at my classic that i'm reading. there you go mm, yeah so uh but yeah so picture of dorian gray was a big one that um got me back into reading in high school and then from there was probably next was the shining that was when i realized that i could read all right i know huge jump that's when i re- realized i liked other things besides just classics and sure. i could start reading some um, like more thrillers, and get back into the mystery horror books that I liked reading. Um, I, I mean, The Shining is like one of another one of my favorites. Um, which I I don't always love Stephen King, but that one I think he does so well. And I really like the. Uh, that's when I started to really enjoy the um, unreliable nar- unreliable narrator trope. That's The Shining really got me into liking that trope. And then from there, I went to college, and because I was just so busy, and and my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, my life kind of became nonstop crazy time. But I came home for a summer and read The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, and that was when I was like, "Holy crap! I want to read all the time, nonstop." And so that was like a college summer time.
1: Remember, that's interesting because I know I remember where I was in life when I first discovered Michael Shaven. I was yeah. okay.
0: I I just remember, like, I would get, I had some summer stuff I was doing. I would get out, like, off a of shift, and I would go sit in the library and read that book, and I, like, annotated it, and I took notes. I mean, I loved, I, I loved that book. And so then that's when I started reading again, and then life got crazy again, and my brother was diagnosed with cancer, whatever, and then, well, you know, and then from there, um, the sparrow, which I think you have the sparrow on your list too. It's a, it'll, yeah, it'll show up here in a little that while. That was again one of those moments where I was like, "This is so beautiful." The I, fact that
1: I can't believe that's her first book. I cannot believe it's her first book. Mary, Mary, Mary if you she, if you ever listen to this someday for she, one, is she
0: dead? I don't. No, she, she's around. Is she alive still? Yeah.
1: Okay. I love Doc so much. I but am so the sparrow is beautiful. I need to read the next the doc the doc sequel is is I need to just, and I'm children just, of need,
0: God. That's a Sparrow sequel.
1: Yeah, no, but you you're so reluctant about that one. Um and I'm so reluctant about that one. So I'm like, "Oh, don't don't send him this back." There's
0: a specific thing that happens in the first half of the book that is so delightful and beautiful that it bre- it does make it all worth it. Okay. Yeah. So you should read it just because I want to hear about There's this specific sure. thing. There's a specific thing. You know what I'm talking about, but Okay. It's so good, though. It is actually that part's really good. Um. Okay. Anyway, uh. So the, the spirit, That was the time that with the sparrow that I realized, like, sometimes I get this like existential crisis where I'm like, I can't believe that we are on this planet and doing the things we're doing, and we could be, like, it could have gone so many different ways, you know. And so the fact that there's like written word that we get to ingest and
1: Mary Doria Russell. She her last book so far came out in 2019
0: oh okay yeah. well great job mary we love you but yeah but just the fact like every so often i'll be reading it and i'm just like i can't believe we get to do this said like, there's so much content and so much like it feels like it's sometimes like reading feels too good to be true you know like it's sure. i don't know if i'm i'm, no, I, I, I'm I, I, drinking yes. i can't and it, it, it. It,
1: that's, it's very what you're saying is very it's very relatable and like a poetic sort of way yeah
0: yeah i just can't believe i get to hear somebody's story and hear their creation and enjoy it and it's like 10 bucks you know what i mean like it's just so every so often i get in those moments where i'm like that like books make me feel like i almost want to cry with the amazement of the fact that i get to read i
1: understand i feel that way sometimes about when you can the fact that we can go and on spotify and or youtube and you can listen to music recordings from 1919 or before yeah, or, um, like,
0: Spotify find, like, Joe Schmo in Arkansas, whatever he's making, and it's like, oh, I get to listen to this person's music. Yep. So, anyway, so The Sparrow was one of those books, one of those times where I just thought, I cannot believe I get to do this. Um, And then from there, recently, it was 2019. I actually don't remember when this was. Chase can probably correct me, because this got Chase. When we read Scythe, was that last year? That would have been 2021 or 2020, I think. I either way I, so I the lot within the last few years Chase and I read the Scythe trilogy together and we just like inhaled it I mean we read it in like a week the trilogy and that was a time that I like it really propelled that was when I started reading like 150 books a year like I just couldn't get enough of it Um. so yeah those are my like up till now books sure. that really um, made me think you know just like I can't wait to do this again I can't wait right. to pick up a new book.
1: So. so, moving into like the later part of high school, a lot of my time was spent understanding, discovering, and reading play scripts. Okay, I'd go to the library. I'd get forty or fifty. But throughout that, two uh, series really were a, a big deal to me. The first one was the Lonesome Dove tetralogy, mm-hmm. which I have always it's on my list uh, gushed on. Um, I remember. Reading the first one, and I was way too young for the content when I first tried to read it, and I got it taken away. And eventually, I got back to it. And then I remember we used to go to my my dad's mom, my 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 mamma's house. We used to go there every Sunday night, and most for a long time. When we got to the, we got to her house, and I would lay on her bed and read uh, Dead Man's Walk, which is the the first of the four. And then and that's those are actually Dead Man's Walk and Comanche Moon. Those are the first time I remember being straight up scared when I was reading when these, when these Texas Rangers are out on the plains hunting um, these Apache renegades. And it's not like Larry McMurtry was out building this anti-native thing he was drawing from actual accounts of things these people ran into when they were out. And definitely the main characters in the story are out there going, why are we out here and why are we trying to do this? this, is not, this is, we're not doing what we should be doing and it's scary and because they were in this situation where things would just and I would go to sleep at night and wake up thinking I was about to get murdered um so that series was a huge understanding storytelling and narrative structure then because at that time I was and still am I was so I I was learning how passionate I was about understanding and knowing and having knowledge on on the American Civil War in the 80s An author named Michael Scherer won the Pulitzer Prize for a novel called The Killer Angels, which is a novel of the Battle of Gettysburg. And some people, and I kind of understand where they're coming from. Some people point out that his portrayal of some of these characters is a little sympathetic because he leaves leaves kind of the issues that made the Civil War so horrific aside Mm. and focuses on the men actually doing the fighting. It, there are moments where you'll run into Robert E. Lee, and you do feel for him the way that it's structured, which can be problematic. Um, but the Killer Angels, then his he then he died not knowing that his book was going to become the Pulitzer. His son Jeff Shera wrote a prequel and a sequel to make it a trilogy. Oh, cool! And therefore covering the 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 1861 to 1865 time. And I remember that might be Lonesome Dove and. The first book gods and generals those were the first times i remember crying while reading books mm. i remember my 1998 uh i was in gettysburg and i met jeff shara that was the first time i met someone of that stature to me and of course it was just me going
0: hi, hi
1: will you sign my book please <laughs> there's a picture somewhere of me looking the dorkiest in like a button-down shirt and jean shorts and a civil war hat. Oh like next to him, and he's just the nicest person. Those two things are I've read and reread and reread and reread. Uh, but for the most part, my focus was play scripts and mm-hmm. understanding that and reading all of those. And up in through, up through college, like college, I, I read either what was required for my literature minor or play scripts. I did discover and read Harry Potter. Um, In college,
0: I was wondering if you were going to mention Harry Potter. I did
1: read those. Um, I was working in the college bookstore for an hour a day throughout each week, and uh, I remember I was supposed to be doing homework and I wasn't. Um, Cool. That's like the best kind of reading. I read through (laughs) Goblet of Fire, and then right after Amy and I got married, um, I had just bought the fifth, and I remember reading that. And then we were still—we had just gotten—we had only been married for a little while when Half Blood Prince came out, Mm -hmm. and then it took her a bit to finish the seventh. Anyway. Um, but moving into adult life, um, again, uh, this will always be associated with uh, the April or May of 2005 is whenever I first read The Historian. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind. Amy, Amy read that one in a night. I remember going to sleep and waking up, and she was still sitting next to me reading it. But I I don't know. I, I was reading, at the time, what I was reading a lot of was uh, Robert Ludlum's, like, Born. Novels, mm-hmm. Tom Clancy stuff. Like I was reading a lot of the like, spy stuff. spy thrillers. Yeah, but moving on and still having uh, absolute love of history, I started discovering like Bernard Cornwell's historical fiction, like the Sharpe's Rifle series, the Last Kingdom series.
0: Isn't the Last Kingdom a TV show now?
1: It is, and it's very good.
0: It's good, yeah.
1: Um, then I learned because I was also heavily into understanding and analyzing and pulling apart movies, and I started. Paying attention to the books that the people that I, that made the movies I cared about were reading. So, like, because of, say, like Quentin Tarantino, I learned, I discovered Elmore Leonard and Jim Thompson and some of like the pulpier, like the stories I loved watching, I started finding those books. Um, And then pushing into uh, when I, when I moved fully from sort of my, when I moved fully, fully into the nerd life of tabletop which was the first time I really was amongst my people mm-hmm. because I had never lived. I had, like sort of my nerdy side was always kind of a closeted thing for most of my life. Um, yep. Just because of the context of life. Which is so
0: funny. I get that now that I, I have a lot of friends from high school that will come to the cafe now and be like, I had yeah. no idea this is how you were. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is how I always was. It just wasn't cool to yeah. be a girl in early, you know, two thousands playing D and D. I never
1: talked about what I read. Yeah, I never. I would talk about what I listened to because I would be super snobby and the least about it, <laughs> and I would only talk about movies to certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I got into the nerd life, that's when the expanse came. The, I mean, uh, that's in the in the books that changed your life. That's those are way up well. At and the isn't top.
0: that one of the not the first, but one of the significant sci fi reads for you?
1: Yeah, because I didn't read it. Yeah, I you, didn't like mm-hmm. like most sci fi. I, I like for me. Sci fi was the Star Wars EU and I was not gonna spend time doing that. Right. Because my sci fi experience up to that point was like Asimov, and you really have to be a sci fi guy for Isaac Asimov. I mean, great, he's cool.
0: I like him. Um I, I
1: made a few that, but... passes at Dune, never never was able that's, to make it there. <laughs> that's on my list, one of the ones um, that broke me. But the expanse kind of and the expanse, as we have said, you know, leads to where we're sitting right now with the Rosinante sitting right on our hey, table. There um, she is. Yeah as far as the things that really kind of shaped me as far as reading and loving literature, that's, that's like the jumping off point of the, like the past, I don't know, several years.
0: Yeah. Just the acceleration of reading. That's, I mean, that's really like, I've, I've always, always loved reading. I mean, it's always been a huge part of my life and my mom's always loved reading. My sister's always loved reading. It's just been a big part of our lives. But the last, like, four years, I have really, like, come into my own and just started to read what I wanted to read, but also making an effort to read new things. And yeah. so well, there's for, just so much.
1: For the most part, I always would fall back on, for me, the old standard, the reliable, was historical fiction, especially military-based, because I love history, and I could go through and very quickly say, I was like, all right, let's read something, let's read a World War II thing. Well, if I didn't come across a novel quickly enough that I was feeling into, Mm -hmm. I would just jump over and read a narrative nonfiction. And so for most of it, it's always going to be, it was always that until I really pushed and met and hung out with more people that had a a little bit of a wider view, but were as critical as me. Mm. Walter, for example. Like he's the one that told me to read The Experience because I remember one day I was like, okay, I want to read sci-fi and I don't even know where to start. And I, I remember him saying the expanse and I was like and tell me about game fiction and why it's the worst he goes it's actually not read the horror series and so that's and so I learned those two aspects of sci-fi quickly and it was
0: what I like specifically about Walter's taste because I get some crap sometimes that I have such wide taste all my friends are like I don't know what to recommend you because you like everything and every so often I feel kind of embarrassed by that like does that mean I'm not uh like refined there's nothing refined in my taste but what I like about Walter is that he's like, yeah, I'll read basically anything. I'll have an opinion on it, but I'll still read it. Like, right. like I, I like that. Like the other day, he was reading like a like a trashy vampire novel, and he's like, yeah, this is just real quick for fun. And I, yeah. and I like that that he doesn't take himself too seriously, but he does have serious opinions.
1: Yeah. And I, one thing I can't do is I can't, I I can't hate read anything. Yeah. Like he, because I <laughs> because in my mind I'm like I don't have the time. I need to read something else. I I can't do this book just it, just and, to hate on it. And yeah. Walter
0: and I are similar in that that I have a hard time um like giving up a book or abandoning a book my mom like she's like you like 10 or pa- ten pages in she's like nope can't do it and we will like literally just like b- return to library and that i i just am such a completionist There is even books where i'm like two books into the trilogy and, and i'm like i know i don't love this but i'm gonna finish that trilogy okay. um uh, i mean i'm getting better that's
1: viable in its own way
0: i'm getting better i just had two series that i gave up on that i was proud of myself for giving up on but as far as like adult Madeline goes, the last, we are been talking about the last few years, how it changed my life reading wise. I have like six books real quick that I just Do want it. to be like, these books Do made it. me. Oh,
1: here, let me tell you one thing before you start your six. I had given up on literary fiction because uh-huh. I just was like, I don't have the time for high minded, not high minded. I don't have the time to read stories just about how like somebody's thoughts changed on an opinion until we started doing this. And I started actually running into literary fiction again Mm -hmm. because I always just wanted like genre based Mm -hmm. and then moving into it. So that's cool. That's something that's happened in the past since we started doing this This year in January. Yeah, January. Yeah, like I've I've pushed into quote literary fiction, which for me, like when I eventually decided I just want to have fun and not be elitist about books, I was like, I'm leaving the literary fiction behind because that's for people that are gonna frown on my pulpy melodramatic yeah. stories and then i went back into it so that was kind of yeah. cool good. all right good for you. drop that list yeet this, that list
0: yeet, yeet the list this is this is again like i just was talking about this is the list that i will literally i'll set down my book and i'll text jason like i love reading so much like i just these are the books that <sighs> yeah so mexican gothic
1: hell yeah yes. sylvia
0: good old sylvia we don't need to even talk about it more because we've talked about it so much. Uh, "Secret History" by Donna Tartt—that's another one that I just.
1: You got me that one, right?
0: Uh, it's on your list of twelve that you have to read.
1: No, but I think you got that for me for Christmas. I think that's sitting on my shelf. It, I think, it's chunky. I think that was the. I think that's on the stack. When we were talking earlier, I was trying to visualize because that stack you gave me is I can like I can visualize it. And uh-huh. I think, and I was trying to remember there was a hardback you gave me. I think that's the it's one.
0: Probably it. It's white uh- and it has. I think it's my, got
1: it's got I think it's got a dust jacket on it, so I don't it know for sure. Mean,
0: I, I might have also gotten you good, the Goldfinch because that's another one. You did not. Really okay. That was not one. Okay.
1: I remember you were saying you were debating it. Anyway, continue.
0: Secret History was the one that like propelled my love of the genre of um, like high education mystery secret society situations. Uh, cool. <laughs> you keep moving your mic away. <laughs> uh, but every time I'm like, okay, nobody can do it. Like Donatard did it. So then um, Department H is a graphic novel that is very much, I feel like, going to be along the same lines of Into the Drowning Deep, and that was one that when I, like, when I read that, I was like, I, I could fall in love with graphic novels, and so that one's really good. And then The Expanse, that was, again, the one that you and I were like, this is, this is why we want to have a podcast, is to talk about The Expanse. and The Historian, we just talked about that, completely changed, like, I just wanted to read all the things all the time and then also at the same time reread the story in forever um and then devil in the white city is the narrative nonfiction. oh and, yeah good old eric larson and we that's we bonded over eric yeah. larson before we ta- started talking about these pants when i was
1: that was uh, devil in the white city was hit like it came out when i was working at barnes and noble well and, and, that, and it was just the I, I remember the shelf just being empty at the end of the day
0: because it was so so good and yeah. that was Early on, in like our reading discussions, we talked about like Dead Wake and and The Garden of Beasts.
1: That yeah, that's the one. That's the first. I didn't actually. That's the first one of his I read. Dead Wake. No, Garden of Beasts. Oh, that one's really because fun. because it was my sister when I was like, "Hey, read this World War II story." Yeah. And it was well oh, stressful.
0: <laughs> yeah. So those those six books were the ones that I just, uh, yeah, forever and always made me fall back in love with yeah. reading.
1: All right. So here's 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 how we're gonna here's how we'll go with the breaking section
0: Breaking Bad. Couple,
1: couple. Do you have a do, couple do, of do. titles that that like broke you down in a good way and then kind of built you up with a new outlook on life or the yes. world? Okay, cool. I have a couple of those, and then we can get into the the we'll make it the quick. one the ones that hurt. Yeah, um, but books that broke me down in a good way. Well, The Sparrow.
0: Yeah, that's on my list too.
1: That good and it was. And again, the thing about the Sparrow is you see it coming from the beginning. It's yeah. like this is going to end poorly, poorly, but. Good grief.
0: Okay, so let me just tell you about Children of God for like two seconds, because I really do think you'd actually like that, <laughs> uh, and it's not okay. even a huge spoiler. Walter,
1: if I believe Walter, because I remember we were talking about Sparrow, yeah, he, Walter really liked Children of God. Yeah, he he, which surprised me a little bit because I know you were a little down on it for a minute.
0: I was surprised that Walter liked it because it has a very, very, very religiously in the beginning. Because, um, so he goes back. That's kind of a spoiler, but you find out oh, immediately he goes back, and you learn that like. in
1: the afterward of the yeah. Sparrow. They're like, oh no, they're gonna send him. back. Yeah, oh, so he goes no. back.
0: Um, and he ends up, I don't know, it's not another planet, but it's a very like far side of the other planet. He finds people that the, the group of aliens, even though he's the alien, the group of right whatever people that actually want to learn the Bible and learn about his God. Um, and they're these tiny, they just remind me of like, what's in the star Wars, the tiny little guys. Ewoks? Jawas? Yes. Which? Yeah. Sure. And they're both small. They're just—they're described as very small creatures, but they all have cloaks. Oh, so Jawas. And they, um, instead of having names, they have different shades of colors. That's how he recognizes them. And so he describes this like rainbow of little tiny cloaked figures that will like sit down to listen to him preach. Uh, okay. And it's the most precious thing. And then they build a church together. And how these little people express their love and their worship as they make ceiling tiles and they paint the ceiling tiles. And so they literally like, just imagine like this little guy in like a chartreuse colored, because that's literally how they describe it because it's every different shade. Okay. It's like the little chartreuse cloak. And he's like, here's my ceiling tile. I painted this a flower that made me cry today. And so I painted the flower and here it is for the ceiling. Interesting. <laughs> and that's what the first section of that's like the happy section of children of God. Right. And so that was after the sparrow was nice to see. Um, it was just it's nice. It built cool. me back up. So children of God, you should read. All right. I didn't like it as much as the sparrow because I wanted their. I, you should
1: also, read it. I mean, the sparrow came in and hit you in such a big way. Yes. I mean, a follow up is is always going to be hard.
0: And it's going to be hard. And that's kind of what I felt like. When I was like, is it necessary for there to be a follow up? But I liked it anyway. Sorry. Okay. Tracking.
1: Back. Um. So then I have two. I'm just gonna just two quick um authors Mm -hmm. these are two playwrights um that specifically changed views that i'd held for a long time or changed ways i looked at life um the first will be the plays of lanford wilson we talked about him a little bit during pride month burn this is is a play um that takes place during um sort of the gay rights movements of the 80s in new york my conservative background it was a lot of new information and when i worked on the play i was the dramaturg so my goal my, my my job was to frame the historical context of the play and help people understand basically the reason every line was written. And it very deeply changed me when I was done working on it. The second of all, and it was weird because it was like, there's all these playwrights I could talk about, but the two, Lanford Wilson hit me, and then the other one, which actually surprised me when I just kind of was just writing stuff down on gut instinct, playwright named John Patrick Shanley. He wrote two plays. One was a very big deal called Rabbit Hole.
0: Oh, I've performed that play before.
1: About the parents trying to deal with their their child passing, but the one that got me was called Doubt. Okay. Doubt is about...
0: Is that that a movie? Or is that a different thing? It is
1: an amazing movie.
0: Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was the same Doubt. Doubt
1: Doubt is about the Catholic school in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. where the the priest uh, is accused of sexual misconduct and the two nuns are... Having to figure out what's really happening.
0: Yeah, and it's like Meryl Streep. It's and... Meryl Streep and
1: Amy Adams. Yeah, and that is where you learn that Amy Adams, especially wearing a nun's habit, when she starts crying, you'll start crying because she's nothing but eyes and tears. <laughs> yes. But that also,
0: and she's that really like brought her into this series and drama. Fi-
1: and Philip Seymour Hoffman is the oh, priest. Oh, yeah. And it did. Like I, when I was when I was teaching my little intro to theater class, we would watch a specific scene from that movie. And also,
2: and
0: the cinematography in that movie is like so close framed. Yes. It's like. And
1: a five minute performance by Viola Davis that got her a nomination for best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. she was in a scene those two those two playwrights this was when i was these these were things I was reading when I was in grad school, when I first learned of these things, and it was it was a big deal like the, they were the, there were elements in there in these two play these two writers' works in particular that really hit me. Uh, my last one, I've never been a reader really of memoirs um However, in 2019, one of my favorite bands of all time is Rush, and the drummer for Rush, Neil Peart, who is sort of a hero to nerds everywhere, mm-hmm. um, he passed from cancer. And I remember the day it happened, I was working at Tabletop, found out my day was awful. Uh, because if, you, if you're if you familiar with their, the band's work at all, I mean, it was a prog rock band that was wildly successful, but Neil Peart's lyrics were about science fiction worlds and odysseys and characters and it was like they were writing stories about people you could identify with but they were crazy sort of epic stories anyway several years before he had written a book called Ghost Rider um whenever he was in his uh late 40s his daughter was killed in a car accident mm-hmm. that same year his wife died of cancer Ugh. and when that happened he got on his motorcycle in Near Toronto. I can't remember where he was living, but he's they all lived in Canada. He got on his motorcycle and he just started going. And he went all the way to South America. Mm. And he wrote a book afterwards called Ghost Rider. And it's his travelogue of tr it's a it's a travelogue of him trying to travel through extreme environments and understand why people you love have to be taken from you. Mm. And it is a it is a study in mourning in questioning everything you thought you knew. The president of Audible um when neil pert died he's written several books he wrote he's written eight or nine travel related books and when the when he died the president of audible turned all of them to free oh wow it was like hey he passed and he's an icon and it's important for you get his stuff right but that one in particular i remember there was a night that we were having a we were doing something it was we had our little we had a little company party out Mm -hmm. at uh, mr howard's in olathe oh right As I was pulling up, I was in the car just a mess because I was listening to it. And I was like, and I just like, I pulled up to the house, wiped my face off Mm -hmm. and sucked it up and came in because I was listening to that book. Um, But again, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, this is a person who they, they say things and do things that I understand. And I feel like there's a personal level of like understanding their art. Processing grief and real sudden traumatic grief, and it was kind of that if he can really if he can deal with this and do this, I know I will never be able to get on a motorcycle because I'm not a wildly successful rock star. I can't get on a thing and travel and be able to afford it, but I can understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal because i again, I don't really read like memoirs and things like that, but that that one really really spoke in different ways to me so that's a that's a good way break great. do you have any others
0: um I had When Breath Becomes Air written or uh, on my list, and that is about a, gosh, I want to say he might be, he's he's like a, a cancer surgeon, and he ends up dying from lung cancer, and it's his m- memoir through the end of his life. Ooh, okay. It's rough. And any of those kind of, especially as I'm still processing, like my brother passing from brain cancer not too long ago, I think, I mean, I say not too long ago, I guess it was like four years ago. But still that's still pretty fresh. That's not long ago. That's not long ago at all. And so I no. I every so often I want to get into those like really hard books about grief, but then it just takes me so long to recover from it that right now it's like I just I can't do that yet. Sure. But that this was a time when I read this last year where I was like, Okay, I'm ready to get into the the, the hard, like I'm ready to do this. And I cried the entire time. It was like a hundred and fifty page book, and I'm just like weeping. And it took me forever to read because it was so hard to read. But it was excellent. And his wife ends up finishing the book for him, and it's you know it's just tough. But um, have have
1: you ever read anything by Oliver Sacks? Oliver Sacks wrote. He had a very famous one called "The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat."
0: I I have read that Um, one. That's he had
1: one about music therapy because he's like
0: mental. He's a psychologist, right?
1: He even more like he's just he he studies the brain and its functions mm-hmm. he wrote the material i can't remember what the book was called but the movie awakenings yeah the way that he approaches patients that are they have been affected or injured or born with a, a disability a mental disability like beyond functional
2: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know functionality i don't know Term would be like the sympathy and the way that he approaches and the fascination he has with with people who whose brains are drastically different than ours is kind of beautiful and amazing mm-hmm. because you learn about the value of someone that uh, might just be passed over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that his his work is fantastic, and he's yeah. just one of those when you read his stuff. He's just a gentle. Iron mm-hmm. Soul, and you and you kind of, you kind of sit there reading, going, "I wish somebody like this was in my life." Yeah, used you know? to feel like cozy,
0: yeah. just reading their words. Yeah. but also, but balanced. it's, but it's rough stuff. Yeah. So, um, another one that I had that broke me in a good way was Chasing the Scream. I read that probably five years ago, and it's nonfiction about the war on drugs. And that the war on drugs has not. I mean, I didn't like grow up in an area that had necessarily drug problems, or wasn't like directly. In my life, and so the war on drugs and addiction was not something that I sure. processed often. And so he specifically, uh, without getting like too political, his his whole viewpoint is very similar to like how, what a lot of people that were anti-prohibition believed was that making it illegal and not regulating it, right? It's actually more dangerous. And so you know, regardless of your view politically, he. A lot of the book was him talking with addicts and and these people who it's affected their life so much and they're like you said they're the people who we would like pass on the street and they're yeah. really struggling and they need help and um so his his book really challenged I wouldn't even say challenged cause I didn't really even have like a view on it or a belief on it necessarily because it didn't affect me directly but it it challenged that part that I was like just because it doesn't affect me okay doesn't mean you know yeah. so I that's, mean I mean, was I,
1: really mean in, I was in when I was in high school. The local news was kind of one of those. Let's find out who OD'd at what high school in mm. in the Dallas area. Um, that was that was a big deal when I was growing up. So now let's talk about books that broke us in a not great way. And like we were talking before we recorded, this is not. I don't like. This is not us coming in to be like banging on things and and talking about how much we hated things. A lot of the ones I have are more of contextual reasons why either i was i felt let down or they weren't for me uh for example just as a basic as a basic intro if i'm not ready to read dry historical nonfiction and i get some dry historical nonfiction, it's gonna make it hard for me to go oh, oh yeah i need to back out of this and try something else i more of a i try to fight because then i feel like I feel dumb i, yeah. I, I do yeah. i do i feel and i'm like well i guess i'm I guess it's just. I guess we'll just go over here and read comics, which we're great. We had an episode about comics; yeah. they're awesome. But uh, it's just one of those things where it's it's like maybe, maybe I maybe I've been fooling myself for years reading all these different things. Um, well,
0: I mean, the company I really struggled with it because I don't think it was like the right time for me. Because that is to me is a little bit more of a dry read. I know you don't think it is, but for me, it was a little bit more because it's the narrative nonfiction. Well, I mean, I guess it's fiction technically, it's, but it's fiction. Yeah. Um,
1: but yes, I understand.
0: But and I just allowed it's, myself.
1: It's a real hard historical fiction because it, there's a lot of history that you so just much. have. It's it's yeah, I love and, it.
0: And I mean, it was really good, but the the whole like the spy, I didn't like. Grew up reading that, or necessarily, um, that wasn't my jam as much. But I just allowed myself time to read it. Like I gave myself a lot of grace because normally I can finish a book in like two days. Sure. And the company was not one. It took me like a month and a half to read almost. And so I just allowed myself some time. But
1: so, you know. So here's one, and you might be able to jump on this. So these are books that I, I don't feel good that I don't like them. These are books that, were, <laughs> these, that people that I respect and care about told me, you've got to read this.
0: I'm going to be so sad if that's Addie LaRue.
1: And then I don't like it. And I don't like to talk about it. But we're going to start with the city we became. I just did not like it. Like, I just didn't. It just wasn't for me. Like, the book, the con, the, the, the structure of the book, the story itself, I never got into it.
0: I liked it well enough. I wouldn't which is, say it's which like
1: is, a Which is fine. But like, so read. many people, like, I, like, there were times when I was sitting at, I was one time I was sitting in the Barnes and Noble Cafe and I, I just had, I grabbed a coffee off the shelf to just read some of it. Somebody was like, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Good job. So that was my, that's my, that was my intro. I have one that's that like I can feel people that I know love pitchfork? it that are gonna just be hurt. Um
0: I can't wait to hear what is it?
1: It's American Gods.
0: I know you've had this we've had this I'm discussion not, before.
1: I like Neil Gaiman. American Gods is to me is not does not live up to its hype. Mm. It to me I haven't watched the show yet, but I imagine as a show it'd be pretty damn cool. But that's because I feel like the book was written. As a show.
2: Mm,
0: he wrote. That's how I feel about uh, What's his bucket? Um, The Martian. Andy Weir? Yeah. I feel like he really writes screenplays which is fine. I like reading them but sure. I think he writes screenplays. But
1: like I remember people just American Gods, American Gods, American Gods and I I finally read it and I was like this is fine. Yeah. And it and it, and it was and it, it's, that's the kind of story that makes me back off and not want to talk about reading with people because then I'm it's not so much that I'm like, one, I don't want to get, you know, stabbed, but also it's like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe uh, I start thinking, maybe my opinions are wrong. Like, uh, that's why for years and years, the only book I ever either recommended or bought for people was the historian. historian. I was like, I, I, I will put it, I have enough faith in this story. I believe in it. Even if you don't like it, it's okay.
0: Well, that's how I feel, um, on my, it broke me in a bad way was Dune because I thought that I was a bad nerd for the longest time because I did not like it. Yeah.
1: A lot of the passionate nerds I know and love are still real. They hold that book at arm's length. They're like, "Oh, it's it's wonderful in its own weird way." It's like board games that are so intense that you don't want to. It's like talking about those like infamous, like super crazy board games. But you're like, "I love it. I hate it.
2: I hate that I yeah, love it." Yeah,
0: and I that's what I like. I like I said I had it on my list because I really liked the movie. It makes me want to read it again, but I just really struggled with it. I didn't. And I was just getting back into fantasy when I read Dune, and I thought, I can't do this. I can't do fantasy. I can't do the heavy world. But I really, I felt dumb. I was like, I'm not getting it. Um, And it made me feel like a bad nerd. So that's one that broke me in a bad way.
1: One of the random specific titles I put in books that broke me in a bad way was The Da Vinci Code. (laughs) But I thought... No, I like The Last Symbol, and I like Angels and Demons. I I thought those were fun. The Da Vinci Code, I remember reading it going, what? Why? Really? Come on, people. Millions of these are in homes. Yeah. Why?
0: Uh yeah, those were just uh, fine. Um, another one that broke me in a bad way because of book talk and like Bookstagram, all these and a lot of my friends that like fantasy and and I do I more than a lot of people I know, I like I do like fantasy like um uh, fantasy romance. That's fine. I enjoy it, but the A Quarter Thorn and Roses series that like everybody everywhere recommends. I know.
1: I've never even I I've do- never even read them at all, but I see them everywhere.
0: Literally don't even don't even bother. Don't I think
1: I think at one point I was browsing through fantasy stuff looking for something new and I might have read the back and gone, probably not.
0: No, I listened to the audiobooks, which helps because the writing is yeah. poor. But the audiobooks helped but that's one of those ones that I feel like I can't even talk about that I don't like because I'm I like I was scared to even get a, give it a three star on Goodreads I was like I'm sure. gonna get murdered for this like I was in a book club once and I dared to say she has another series that I think is a lot better and like I thought I was gonna get murdered is
1: that that's one of those that's one of those things I've read those kind of books where when I finish I'm like okay
2: I don't if, know, if I want to log this book
1: well I I no I ever finish I'm like. Yeah, I've written things throughout for years, so why can't I get published? <laughs> right? So, you know. I mean,
0: and like, I, I, I hear, I don't, like we just said we weren't going to poop on people, but um, if you like them, that's great. That's fine. I do think there is better. If you want hardcore fantasy romance, there are just options for you. Yeah, well, but, and that's
1: fine. And again, they're just, you know, it's just like not what we said. Not for me. They're not for you. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: And I just want to stop seeing them everywhere because... I think that's the, my biggest issue with them is i there are so many other it's not even the genre itself like if you want if you want that that's fine um i just think there are better ones that you can read
1: so i've got here i've got i've got three quick i've got one quick point and then two that we'll probably i mean one you're going to agree with me and then okay, two, we can talk about one audiobooks with bad narrators Oh boy, it's hard to bounce back from that, and I don't even, and I don't even want to like necessarily bring up any specifics because. Oh, I have a specific. Okay, you can bring it, but like I'm afraid because a lot of right. I was looking through my Audible, and a lot of that when I've hit it, because it, I didn't hit that 30th, You can return them, and so I don't have. I, I really was know. looking to see because I, I know there has been some that I have gone, oh no, but then I remember being able to dump them off and get my credit back. Go for your specific.
0: Well, so I. W- Reading in times two speed really does help with some of the idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncras- wow. Idiosyncrasies. Thank you. I'm the like two whiskeys in. Um, in voices that because of my misophonia, there are some things vocally that I cannot handle. But times two speed does help with that. Um, currently, right now, I'm reading Eleanor Olfen is completely fine, and I for the first. Fourth of this book thought that this woman, the main character, was in her 50s because she sounds like a 50-year-old woman, but she's just turned 30. And so that okay. ruined the book. Like it, and I'm, I'm still listening to the audiobook. I'm going to finish it because the narrator has a lovely voice, but she sounds like an old lady. So that did kind of ruin it for me. The
1: narrator for The City We Became, I did not like her at all. Oh, Because I remember I had to dump that one in, and I took another pass at it reading it, and I realized I just didn't like you it. You didn't like the book? Yeah, I, I that's one of those things that I hope at some point if you can get the audible and listen to The Hot Kid, it will destroy me if you can't if you don't like him because I know you didn't like the narrator for Lonesome Dove and I love him, but it's well,
0: nope, that's not true. I just didn't think Lonesome Dove was going to be a good audiobook for me.
1: Oh, well, there's for me the, the narrator is because the movie, I the movie's wonderful as well, and the Robert Duvall element, anyway. I'm going to be so, so, so sad if you don't like the narrator for the hot kid because he makes that. That's, I
0: just don't think I can find it on Libby. I've looked.
1: It's not. Well, I mean, that's not. hot kid is not a not big a Elmore L- It's not. an L- Well, it's also been around since like 2002. Uh, okay. So that was. We're in agreement. Books with bad. audiobooks books yeah. with bad narrators. Okay. So here's one. Books that make me feel bad because I like the author so much. Like I love the author, but I don't like the author's book.
0: Oh, I have one for so, that. 100%. So
1: Piranesi. I, I love Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Susanna Clark, she's wonderful. But I, you didn't like Piranesi. No, I, I didn't like. Like I've said this before. I still haven't read it. College weird, weird, uh, weird postmodern abstract college age absurdist loving drama. Robert would have loved Piranesi. But you, know? I think I'm, i think I'm too old. I think <laughs> I, I think I'm like the time of Piranesi. There is a time when I would have lapped that book up. Yeah. Not now.
0: Not I'm just today, like this Satan. book makes me tired. Yeah. Okay. And I
1: know that people really dug it.
0: It's on my list because it's everywhere. I I bought it. I yeah. own it now, and I just need to um, read it.
1: That's one. Here's another one. This one. This one goes out to the Walters and Brents in the world. Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson.
0: Oh my gosh, I can't even talk to you about this anymore because you you bitch about this book so much. It was such
1: a betrayal. <laughs> and Neil Stevenson's like fantasy and sci fi stuff is so cool, but Kryptonomicon. Is supposed to be a book about code breakers and World War II and the Cold War. And good God, it's not. And it bothers me. And I, oh, it hurts. <laughs> I know. I'm it sorry. hurts so bad. And then my third, we'll call this a teaser. My third would be making history because I love Stephen Fry so much. And, that one and then we'll, when it we it. get to our spirited shout about making history, it'll be more evident there. But yes. Books, it it makes it, but then it makes me, it makes it it hard for me to be like, well, let's just jump over and read something new. Like, I generally, if if it's a, if the author or the creator, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say, is someone who's really big to me. Yeah. And I feel like I've let them down. Like, I don't even like, I'm like, oh, if I say that I like, if I talk too much about how much I dislike making history, I might hurt Stephen Fry's feelings, even though we're not even the same universe. good for you,
0: though, because, (laughs) because. I think people are so blindly loyal to authors sometimes, or directors, or whatever musicians, and it's like, no, that that might have just sucked. It might just not have been sure good artistically.
1: And I've uh, read, like, with making history, like, I've seen, I, I, I saw all like the awards that got. I'm like, anyway. So do I, you have any?
0: Well, for me, an author that I loved that was a let, whoo, hiccup. That was a le- <laughs> that was a letdown was I loved The Night Circus, and that's another one I bought you that you have to read.
1: You got that one? Yeah. No, you got that for Amy, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we way, have it on the shelf.
0: You need to read it because, I mean, that one basically, it's like dueling magicians, and it feels very like prestige meets.
1: There's one. The novel of The Prestige was not for me. No,
0: Chase I was, didn't like it. It was a
1: little too weirdly experimental, maybe? Like and it the just formatting. Was like, what is happening? But that movie's insanely the movie good. The movie's so anyway, good. Continue. Um,
0: that's how Chase and I first started dating with oh, The Prestige.
1: I know this is about to be a because I know you don't like the next book after The Night Circus.
0: Yes, yeah, so Night Circus is beautiful. It's like a romance, but sure. literally it's like they're dueling magicians and they're competing for who's going to be the next. I don't even know, like the next person who runs the circus or whatever, the next circus master. And so they make these, the tents, but then they're magical tents. And so you walk in and they're themed and they describe them and they're beautiful. And like, it's just, there's a magical clock and it's so gorgeous. And she has this dress that she wears that changes colors. And it's like, oh, I love it so
1: much. Wow, just give away the whole story. It's
0: not. You're fine. You can read it and you'll be fine. (laughs) But then Aaron Morgenstern, was the author, took like,
1: Again, that dropped when I was working at Barnes & Noble. Yeah. I remember that one.
0: So good, and it deserves all the hype, 100%. Then, she, like nine years later or something like that, it was a long time because Night Circus was her debut. She took a long break because she's not an author. That's not what she wants to do, I don't think. Um, I think she might be a teacher. She dropped Starless C. <sighs> it was so bad. It was so bad, and I wanted to like it. And there was like seven different narratives. Everything,
1: everything about the title just checks all the boxes. And
0: it's beautiful. And it's like the idea of it is so beautiful. It's a lot like Midnight Library. The idea of it's really beautiful. But the issue, like Midnight Library, I could follow, and I was like, okay, this is just like crappy writing. A main character I don't like. blah, Blah blah. I can get through it. Starless Sea. It's like seven different narratives, and it's like it ties it together. Apparently, at some point, I had to not finish it, but it's like it ties it together. But then some of the characters are also referenced in, like, this weird kid's book that she interspersed. But then the main character is, like, the rabbit or whatever. I don't even know. I don't even remember. But it's, like, it's just weird. It's just so much – it's, it's like, you said, like, too experimental. And I didn't like it at sure. all. And I felt bad because I wanted to. I wanted to like the artsy where she could was you,
1: – Could you see a point – like, could you see, like, a point in which young Madeline might have been, like, this is the book for me? No. But I'm past oh, – okay, cool. No. Yeah.
0: No, even then – um, there was nothing in that book that would have appealed to any okay. any reader in Madeline. It was, there was no point to it. Yeah. I mean, there was no point to it. She was so experimental. And I felt like it was artsy for the sake of being artsy.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I understand. And I don't like I that. I understand. That's my issue with like fringe festivals and things like that. Sure. Yeah.
0: I just, I was like, w- what, what is the point of this book and the structure and... You know I mean, there are literary rules for a reason, and it's okay to break them. yeah, or but to like
1: the problem is is with art it, it's that whole it's the argument of rules versus breaking rules and objectivity versus subjectivity. that's sure, I understand. but
0: pushing the boundaries for the sake of pushing the boundaries is oh yeah, literally not even worth anything. There's
1: a line in both the original play and movie version, both movie versions of Sabrina. Or that I will always remember. Where she just looks at oh. she looks at Linus and she goes, "More is sometimes just more. Mm-hmm. Like it's not always better. Sometimes more is more. Yes. Like change for the sake of change is not always good." However, mm-hmm. to put a "love what you read, read, read what you love" kind of spin on your on your Starless Sea, maybe or how many folks might have read that and thought this was pretty cool, and then read Midnight Library, like maybe, or you mean
0: the Night Circus, Night Circus, I yeah, mean. yeah. And I mean, med, I hope and read, so. And
1: Red Night Circus, maybe that. Maybe that actually was a funnel for people to get into and,
0: I hope go, and, and
1: maybe it went, this is amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope so because Night Circus, like I said, and that was one that I really, I felt like I, I wanted to like it. I wanted to like what she did. And especially because it was like, oh my gosh, it's the first, th- first thing she's done in seven years. Like I I, I, sure. I wanted, it's kind of like, did you read um, After To Kill a Mockingbird, the one they published? Ghost Out of
1: Watchmen? I did not. Cause there, it, cause I know now. There's the whole argument that she didn't actually write it. Well,
0: she didn't write most of it, and it wasn't yeah. good.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't read that. No, like the the fifth story. The fifth story was was mostly harmless, and it was fine. But final point. This is one we'll see. You might have one. I only really have one specific example. Mm. Because I, again, I don't want to be too negative in case somebody right. really likes the stories. Books I dislike so much that it makes me makes it easy to see the flaws in the author's other work. So. There's an author. He's mostly a nonfiction writer. The guy's name is Chuck Klosterman. He's, he's like a music writer. He, writes, he wrote a book that I love called Killing Yourself to Live, where he traveled across the country and went to famous places where musicians have died. Hmm. Um, and he, he writes these like editorials, mostly about pop culture and, and music. He wrote a novel called Downtown Owl that takes place in South Dakota about it's this weird intersection of all these weird characters and a blizzard.
2: Um, I hated it so <laughs> much that I
1: didn't read Chuck Klosterman's work for years. Because I remember I was like, I don't like Downtown Al. And then I went to read another one of his books, and I like got pages in, and I was like, nope, can't do it, don't like it. Can't read him anymore, and it took forever for me to get back around to reading him again.
0: But I would say uh, I we've talked about my feelings about Artemis, the uh, second one that Andy Weir wrote. Sure. Uh, and oh, did it make Project Hail Mary hard? It made me scared of Project Hail Mary, and um, I loved. I the only reason why I ended up reading Project Hail Mary is because like my my mom suggested it, and for her to suggest sci-fi is. Fairly shocking, but um, I was scared because I loved The Martian so much, and then I hated Artemis with like every fiber of my being. Sure. Um, and then Project Harold Mar- Mary brought it back, but even now, if he was to publish a fourth one, I would still be uh wary of it.
1: Um, interesting. I'm um
0: like I are you are you nervous about what? James SA Corey does next? No. You're not? No. What if it's not as good?
1: I don't I won't let myself think that right now.
0: I'm scared that I I just like nothing's going to live up to the expanse.
1: I could I I think for me cuz I know some people didn't like the 6th, the one that was the super the 6th book or the 7th book, the one that set up the final trilogy. It was all politics and it was real slow. 6 it's I, One two
0: three four and five are by themselves, me, and then six is. Fine. James
1: S A Corey at their low point is a lot of authors at their best. That's and I sure. I I those books mean so much to me. I'm I'm cool. I'm good. I'm 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 tracking now. What I will say because I haven't read it yet is I'm nervous about because I know there's been a lot of mixed reviews about the Shadowland. You liked the Shadowland, okay? No, you did I did not. Hated it. Okay,
0: that's one. Um. S-
1: because, I, I mean, the historian is...
0: Did you read Swan Thieves? Did she read I Swan I love Thieves? the Swan Thieves. That's Elizabeth I Kostova. I thought it was great. That's Elizabeth Kostova. Yeah. So, okay, and okay. It, it's and, next uh, on my list. She
1: went and she did a totally... De- it is nothing like the historian. It is completely the opposite side of that. But I like it so much. I think much. you
0: should still read Shadowland.
1: I will. I mean, I plan on it, but... I,
0: you can have my copy. Um, I have one. Oh, we should just talk about Shadowland another time. It's... That one's tough. Um I'm afraid Elizabeth Kostova might have gotten a little bit lucky.
1: Okay. Oh, I love the Swan Things. Now, and a lot of people were not as big. No. Sorry. To jump back a step, there is a guy's named Ian Colfer.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, he wrote he wrote some Douglas he wrote some Hitchhiker's Guide stuff. Um, but he wrote Artemis Fowl. That's the series that he wrote for young adults. His YA series called Artemis Fowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he wrote some Hitchhiker's Guide stuff. Yeah, that's he. I, I haven't read it, so I don't know how that goes. But of mm. uh, the Douglas Adams stuff. But I mean, I'm nervous because I know the Shadowland has had weird reviews. But I also know that, like, if you look at the if the historian on like Goodreads, people are like, I thought it Vampire Story. This sucks. I'm like, go yeah, go go away. I don't want to talk to you. It doesn't have
0: great reviews, or it has but, decent reviews, but not like
1: what we yeah. did. Yeah, no, um, the Swan Thieves, I thought. Again, the Swan Thieves was like a literary fiction story that I really enjoyed. Plus, as soon as you finish it, you're like, we now need to go to the Nelson Atkins immediately and yeah. look at art. Cause it, it the 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 love of art side of it's really cool. Hmm. But you didn't like the Shadowland? Does that hmm. does that taint the historian at all? Um Like do you look at the historian and and you go, Oh, there's a I see something here that's a problem.
0: Potentially, okay. I see some writing issues. Potentially, some issues I have with Shadowland that I could be like, I could see also if I reread the historian. But the main issues with the Shadowland had a lot to do with the main character she wrote, okay, uh, and just like whitewashing a few things, okay. But yeah, I'm curious what you think about. it. You should still read sure. it,
1: but yeah, I mean, I'm planning on getting to it. There have been a couple times where I've picked it up and I've gone, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll wait yeah. and see.
0: But yeah, so those are our our books that made us broke Marcus. us in a good and bad way. Yeah. And
1: do we do we have any other do we need any wrap up announcements? Do we have any wrap up announcements? I don't
0: think so. We're keep reading. Yeah.
1: Next episode is going to be about TBD.
0: Yeah, we don't know.
1: <laughs> we'll find we'll figure it out when we hit that point. So uh
0: We're we're hanging on for dear yeah. life here yeah. in a little bit. Read
1: books. We're trying to read books. Uh Spirited Shorts. Next week, our book of the month, <laughs> making history, it's mostly gonna be Madeline talking because no, you're gonna talk. She about liked it. it a lot more than I did. Uh, but in the well, meantime,
0: I have thoughts about why I like it. Okay. And I think well, and a lot of my dis-
1: a lot of my dislikes are very specific. So anyway,
0: I think our personalities, the, I think how we read this book and how we reacted this book perfectly encapsulate our personalities, and I have thoughts on that for next week. Very cool. Uh, but yes. All right. So, so. keep reading. Read what you Q love.
1: Cue exit mu- music.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this has been Spirited Reads. We thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.
1: Additionally, keep track of the podcast and join the conversation at spiritedreads.com by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and by joining our Goodreads page by searching Podcast at gmail.com.
0: If you'd like to support us, we're on Patreon. Keep reading, and we'll be
2: back in two weeks.